Good morning, Cross Point Church. Boy, I love that video. Um, I hope we never take for granted the amount of people it takes to do this, to put this, this on, this experience on every Sunday, uh, twice every Sunday. It takes a lot of people with a lot of talents, and uh, man, I hope we never take that for granted. My name is Richard. I am a longtime partner uh, here at Cross Point Church. I know a lot of you sitting here, a lot I, I don't. Um, I started attending Cross Point when there was about 40 of us at the Baptist Student Union. It's called Baptist Collegiate Ministries now. And um, My wife and I, we uh, loaded our family up and moved to St. Augustine, Florida in June to plant a church. So we were church planters in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. So she is not, so those, uh, when, after the first service, a lot of you wanted to know where Jessica is. Well, she loves me, but apparently not enough to get up at five and drive to Georgia. So just, you know, if you see her on social media or something, just say, hey, thanks for really displaying your love for your husband by making him. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's a lot of differences between us. Those of you that know Jessica know there are a lot of differences uh, between us. Um, for instance, her favorite restaurant is this really nice Cuban restaurant in uh, St. Augustine, the Columbia restaurant. You guys been to St. Augustine eating at Columbia? Yeah. Mine's Dave and Buster's. So that, just putting that out there. So pray for my wife, please, because apparently she's married to a 17-year-old boy. Um, but you know what? She should have better taste in men, right? It's not my fault she fell for the first guy that said hello. No, I'm just kidding. So... Pastor David's not here. Uh, the staff uh, went away for the weekend at a, a staff retreat, and I said this in the first service, and I really mean this from the, the bottom of my heart. I, uh, I am so thankful that we have a pastor and a staff that understand godly leadership enough to know that sometimes you have to get away, and uh, this is a chance for him to really cast that vision for 2018 for Cross Point Church, um, to get the staff on board for the to talk about how that vision is going to be played out in the various ministries of the church. So um, I want to make sure we pray for uh, Pastor David and the entire staff uh, while they're away. But thank God we have people that, that feel a calling on their life that can step up when our staff is away. And so we're very thankful for that. Um, we're going to continue the series that Pastor David started last Sunday, Upside Down. Um, uh, our sermon title this morning is uh, Jesus Restoring Our Rest. If you want to go ahead and get your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 27, uh, verse, uh, Matthew 11, verses 27 through 30. And last Sunday, uh, one of the thing, a couple of things Pastor David talked about uh, was how uh, Jesus came and radically challenged the world with truth. He challenged them to look at him differently. Uh, he is the way, the truth. And the life, and when you think about the gospel, think about the entire Bible, really. But you think about the gospel; um, it really does promote an upside-down world. You know, Jesus said, "If you want to be first, you got to be last." You know, if you want to, if you want to have your life, you got to lose it. And so, uh, we understand that the Bible teaches that that what we think is right needs to be flipped upside down. So, the Christian paradigm is upside down from the, the world's paradigm. But um, we're going to continue in that series this morning by taking a look at this passage uh, in Matthew. And um, I do want to say, I said this to the first service, um, this is our first Sunday back uh, from achieving, uh, the, achieving two of the greatest goals if you're a, if you're a sports fan living in Georgia. Um, the Falcons lost the playoffs yesterday, so that's one. Uh, last Monday night, I just want to be the first to congratulate the Big Ten referees for winning the national championship for Alabama. So... You know, 
man, a face mask call and an offsides not call, and we're the national champs. But I am very happy about where Georgia is. We're going to be back. There's nobody in the East, really, that can challenge us. And, man, I like what Kirby Smart's doing. And so, um, so Jesus, I got the bulldog thing out. I had to get that off my chest. No, we're not cursing anymore, brother. You can leave now. Uh, all right. Let's read this passage in Matthew. Matthew 11, verses 27 through 30. Jesus said, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for calling David and Linnell Rogers to Valdosta, Georgia, to start Cross Point Church. I thank you for what their ministry has meant to me and my family. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in South Georgia and North Florida through the ministry of Cross Point Church and through the vision that you've given our pastor. So, Lord, as our pastoral staff is away, getting closer together as a, as, as a unit, hearing God's vision, hearing your vision, God, and then receiving that and planning for how to implement that vision, Lord, I pray that you would let unity and joy and wisdom prevail in their meeting. Now, Father, for our time here this morning, thank you for those that are serving this morning, for all those that are serving in DPK and in hospitality. Lord, those that, the ushers, God, those that are singing and running the, the technological aspects of what we do here. Lord, thank you so much for the call that you've placed on people's life that are serving here. God, for this message, I pray that you would do your work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place to transform us into the people that you want us to be. I pray, God, that you would prepare the hearts of every person in this building, from those in the nursery, the infants in the nursery, to the oldest person in this room. Prepare our hearts to be changed. Now, Father, for me, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. For God, you are my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I'm getting some feedback from this mic. I don't know if you can hear it or not. All right, so what we're going to do this morning is, is we're going to look at this passage, uh, Matthew 11, 27 through 30, and we're going, to sort of, we're going to sort of break it down. We're going to really dive into this passage and sort of unpack some things that are in this passage, and then we're going to get to the, to the main part of the, the message, but we want to set up those three points I want to share with you in a little bit. We want to set it up by really going through uh, this passage and kind of un, uh, sort of unpacking the various layers that we find. And we're going to do that by just going verse by verse and seeing what's there. So let's start um, with looking at chapter 11. So what we have in Matthew chapter 11 is we have a couple of things going on. So first we have uh, John the Baptist who sends his disciples to Jesus to say, hey, are you really the Messiah? And we see here that Jesus says to those disciples, go back and tell John what you see. In other words, John, you know what the Word says about the Messiah, about the, the deaf hearing, about the blind eyes being opened. You know those things. You know those signs accompany the Messiah. 
So you guys go back and tell John what you see, that yes, I am definitely the Messiah. And then after that section in chapter 11, we see that Jesus, in language that is very similar to what you, you read in the book of Revelation, um, he, he starts to preach against some of the cities that he's already visited and performed miracles in. So he, he calls those cities to repentance. Uh, the, the, the term that's used uh, for that is a woe, W-O-E. Um, uh, not the guy from the Matrix, whoa, but a woe, right? So there's a difference. Man, that joke fell horribly flat. That's okay, I've got more. I, I gotta, that's all really I have is just jokes. That's all I have up here. So, but from, from, the, from his preaching against those cities, he moves right into a prayer where he thanks God, uh, th thanks the Father, and um, issues a prayer. And then immediately after the prayer, he says what we read this morning in verses 27 through 30. So let's, let's, pack, let's unpack those verse by verse. Verse 27, Jesus said, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. This means that Jesus has been granted complete authority. Now, this is very important when you talk about what we believe about Jesus. We believe that we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that are co-equal and they're co-eternal. They exist in complete unity together. But in that Trinity, there are roles assigned. And the Father transferred authority to Jesus for his ministry on earth and the ministry that comes after um, until the judgment. And so Jesus is saying here that all authority has been given to me by my Father, namely, in this verse, namely, the authority to take burdens and to give us rest. When Jesus says in this passage, uh, no one knows the Father but the Son, and no one knows the Son but the Father. The word knows, know, in that passage is not just an intellectual knowledge. It's not like I know how to read or I know how to drive a car. It's a more intimate knowledge. It's a very, it's a complete, very um, intimate, uh, very comprehensive knowledge. If you think back to uh, the book of Genesis, in the first few chapters of Genesis, uh, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, and Adam knew his wife, uh, the Hebrew word is yada, which is this real intimate, comprehensive knowledge. To know his wife Eve, that's the same idea that's presented here. The father and the son know one another in a way that, that, that no one else can know the other because of their intimate knowledge. Except, Jesus says, for those to whom he chooses to show the father. Verse 28, Jesus says, and the part of this verse that we probably know the best uh, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus uses his authority to invite all who are weary and burdened to come to him and find rest from whatever it is that makes them weary and whatever it is that burdens them. And then verse 29, this is really getting into the meat of what we're going to talk about um, today. Verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What Jesus is doing here, and I love this, is Jesus is proposing a trade. Bring me your burdens. Bring me those things that burden you down, that trouble you. Bring them to me, and I will give you rest. 
But how does he give the rest? Here's what he says. He gives us something, something, right, that produces rest based on his character and his nature. He says, I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm, I'm gentle and I'm humble. So I'm going to give you that rest because that's my essential nature, which is humble and which is meek to give you that rest. But what does he give us to give us that rest? We're still just sort of out here in, in philosophy, right? It's all philosophical at this point, right? Because, okay, I get it. I get that Jesus will take it, and I get that he will give me rest. But what are the practical aspects of that? How does that happen? Well, he says here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So he gives us something to produce that rest. He gives us his yoke. Now, we are far removed from, you know, from an agricultural society that uses oxen and uses a yoke. I think most of us probably have a decent idea of what a yoke is, but when it comes to farming, it comes to animals, a yoke is this wooden device that goes over the shoulders and the neck of an ox, and it pairs them to another animal. So you are yoked to another animal. So a yoke is for two animals to go side by side. So when you yoke the animals together, what you have is you have a unity sort of in purpose. So they go the same direction. They turn right together. They turn left together. They stop together. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that if you will put my yoke on, I will give you rest. Now, the word yoke is used a couple of other times in the New Testament. Let's take a look at at least two of those uses of yoke, and let's contrast those against what Jesus is saying here. So let's look at Acts 15.10. So let me just set Acts 15.10 up for you. So there's a meeting of the, the church leaders in the book of Acts, the disciples, and they are discussing Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. And so you have these people who are not Jews. Those are the Gentiles. And they don't really follow the Jewish law that we read about in Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We don't, they don't really follow that. And so there is a discussion among church leadership. Okay, do we make these people that aren't Jews follow the Jewish law in order to be saved? And so what the leadership of the church, James, the brother of Jesus, and Paul and Peter and all the other leaders, they came to the agreement that we're not going to put that on them because Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so we have this statement in Acts chapter 15. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So in this passage, the word yoke is used as a negative thing. A yoke is something here that should be shed off. Take that yoke off. You don't need that. That's burdensome to you. Take it off. There's another passage in Galatians, Galatians 5.1. Paul writes to the Galatians, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So again, we have the, the use of the term yoke as it, as it applies to slavery. So again, here's another negative use of the word yoke. But the essence of this passage uh, in chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and the essence 
of the message that I'm preaching today is very simple. Jesus proposes a trade. Jesus is saying, I want you to take one yoke off that has you yoked to something else. And we're going to talk about that something else in just a minute. And I want you to yoke yourself to me. Put my yoke on. Because when you compare the yoke that you're wearing to the yoke that I'm offering, my yoke is easy and my burden is light because I am meek and I am gentle. You guys see that? Right? You getting that? It's okay to say yes or no. I'm not going to accuse you of being a charismatic if you say yes or no. All right. Like two people laughed. I'm telling you. The first service has a much better sense of humor than you guys. I'm just going to tell you. So what type of rest? And here we go with the message. This is the, the meat of the message. Well, let me back up just a little bit. It gets even better. What Jesus is saying here, not just take your yoke off and put mine on, but the rest that Jesus is offering in this passage is proportional to the yoke that you are wearing. So the heavier your yoke, the lighter his is in relation to that. The heavier your burden is, the lighter Jesus's is because he is meek and he is gentle. So what type of rest is Jesus offering in this passage? This, this passage is first and foremost about salvation. You can't read this passage without discussing the salvation that Jesus brings. That's what he's saying. That's in, that is ultimately what he's saying here. Matthew, 27, Matthew 11, 27 through 28. He said, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. We believe, and the Bible teaches, and Orthodox Christian theology teaches, that if you are a believer in Christ... You are not a believer in Christ because you thought it was a good idea. And you just chose randomly the, the religion of Christianity. That is not what a Christian is. Orthodox Christian theology teaches, and the Protestant Reformation reaffirmed that if you are a Christian, then you are a Christian because God chose you, because Jesus, through his providential wisdom, chose you to reveal the Father to you, to convict you of your sins, and to bring you to a saving knowledge of Him. Now, if you are here and you are not a Christian, and when I say a Christian, let me tell you the difference between South Georgia and where we live now in St. Augustine. And in a way, it's, it's so much better. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Here, you can walk up to almost anyone on the street that grew up here and ask them if they know Jesus, and they can tell you word for word how to be saved. Because we have a culture of Christianity here where you can hide out, right? You can say, I know Jesus, and Jesus doesn't know you. You're not a Christian, but you can say you are because you know all the right answers, right? 
We don't really have that culture. About 60% of the people that live in St. John's County don't even go to church in St. John's County. It's a ripe field. There's a lot of church plants there. I'll talk more about it in just a minute. But Jesus' call here is, come to me all who labor under the burden of sin. Now, I'm not talking about acts of sin. I'm not talking about cursing or drinking or philandering or watching pornography. That's not, I'm not talking about God will... Certainly he will give you rest, but that's not the context is I will give you rest from your sin nature. When Adam and Eve decided to disobey God in the Garden of Eden, they doomed us all. And there's a black smudge on humanity that can only be cleaned through the blood of Jesus. So if you're sitting here today and you have never prayed for Jesus to be your Savior, and you feel somehow that you need to make that right today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So at the end of this service, if you're wrestling with that, I'm not going to let it go. This is not the only thing I'm going to say about that. At the end of the service, I'm going to give an invitation for you to meet me right here and we'll take care of that. So the first call, the first part of this is that Jesus is calling us to salvation. Paul echoes it to Timothy in 1 Timothy 15, 1.15. Paul says to Timothy, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. And our passage in Matthew symbolizes the essence of the gospel message. You guys got that? All right. The second, the second part of this, this passage is about life. We know that Jesus came to grant us eternal life. That's what I just talked about. We know the essence of the gospel message is eternal life. But what I want to say today is there's so much more to Christianity. There's so much more to being a Christian than just escaping hell. There's so much more to Christianity than just going to heaven. Jesus comes that we might have life. Listen to these passages. John 1, 4. In him, that is Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 10, 10. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The thief comes only to steal and kill which is slaughter and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. Taking on Jesus' yoke doesn't diminish the bad things in life. But what, what taking on Jesus' yoke and yoking yourself to the Son, yoking yourself to Jesus, what it does is it takes a life that has no meaning or has little meaning, and it gives it meaning. It, he takes a life that doesn't have purpose and gives it purpose. He takes a life that is moving in one direction, and he takes it in the other direction. I'll just tell you a quick story about me. Guys, when Jesus saved me, he didn't just save my soul. He saved my life. When I grew up, I grew up very, very poor, but not just poor but sort of white, trashy poor. My mother was, a, was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My, 
My mother drank herself to death when she was 45. She died when she was 45. She just drank herself to death. Didn't have electricity, running water for a large little section of my life. And my friends didn't know in high school. They just you know, knew I wore the same T-shirt and jeans to school every day. That's all they really knew. They didn't know that sometimes we slept in the car because we didn't have a place to live. They didn't know that. And so we know that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, right? We see multiple generations of this, right? People just following in the steps of their parents, following in the steps of their parents. And that's the direction I was headed in. But when I was a teenager, I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, it changed not just my soul and my eternal destiny, but he changed my life. And I didn't have to do those things anymore because Jesus gave me a higher quality of life. He gave me a higher purpose for life. He gave me a higher calling for my life. And he gave me a trajectory for my life that I'm still on today. I couldn't have done any of it by myself. There are rags to riches stories, and maybe I would have been one of them, but I don't think so because I know the darkness that lives in me. So I'm telling you that what Jesus is saying in this passage is that if you will unyoke yourself from your, your life and you will yoke yourself to him, he will, he will increase the quality of your life, the trajectory of your life, the purpose of your life. If you don't know what your life's purpose is, yoke yourself to Jesus. And I'm not just talking about salvation. You understand that? We were talking about salvation earlier, but I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm not just talking about praying the prayer and then forgetting about Jesus. I'm talking about yoking yourself to Jesus. Where you go, Jesus, I'll go. Because I'm yoked to you. So Jesus brings us life. This passage is also about peace. I want you to think about our text today in light of two other New Testament passages. Let's look at John 16, 33. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Ephesians 2, 14, the first part of that verse says, for he himself is our peace. Not just he himself brings peace, he himself is our peace. This last point of this message, and I believe the essence of this message, is very self-evident. Sometimes this life is tough. We face illness, death, job loss, marital trouble, all sorts of stressful and painful things. And Jesus explicitly promises us two things in this passage. Promises, promises, two things in this passage. Number one, troubles will continue to come. Nothing you can do about it. You live in this world, troubles are going to come. Sometimes the check's going to bounce. Sometimes there's going to be more than enough to cover it. Sometimes you're going to be the healthiest you've ever been, and sometimes you're going to be sick. Troubles are going to come. Sometimes you and your spouse or you and a family member are going to be getting along better than you've ever gotten along, and other times you're going to want to push each other out of an airplane. Troubles are going to come. 
those of you that are, are young and not married yet, one day, one day, you're gonna have teenagers too. One day. And when you become a parent of a teenager, you now have a story that one-ups every other bad story that you hear. You meet someone that had a landmine blow up on them and they tell you their story and you say, yeah, well, I'm a parent of teenagers. They're gonna say, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All the teenagers are like, you don't know me. You don't know. <laughs> you know what we do know? Because me and your parents were both smart aleck teenagers like you. But there's hope. Man, at least I hope there's hope. <laughs> All right. He promises that trouble's gonna come. It's on the way. It's just part of living this life, but there's another part of this that's a promise. And here it is. You can have perfect peace in the midst of all of those troubles. Perfect peace. You can walk through a firing line with peace in your heart. You can open up your checkbook that's negative zeros with perfect peace. You can walk through marital disunity with perfect peace. There will be trouble, but Jesus brings peace. Now, I want to, closing now, I want to tell you a quick story about me. I tried to think of a good illustration to close this with, and um, Jessica and I talked about a few, and one that I really like, she said that Pastor David used not too long ago, so I didn't want to reopen up a, an illustration on you, and the more I prayed about it, the more I thought, well, I'll just kind of tell my story. So in 2014, uh, Jessica and I packed up the kids, felt God was calling us to St. John's County, Florida, St. Augustine plant a church. And I was, uh, had my own business at the time. I was the president of a medical services company that uh, provides services to inmates in jails and prisons. And so Jess got a job and, and my business partner and I talked about opening up Florida as a, a new market. And so we moved down there, rented a house, put our house up for sale here. And just a few months, probably four months, five months or so after moving to St. Augustine in 2014, um, I lost my two biggest contracts with my company, had to stop paying myself. Those of you that own businesses know that you get paid last, right? And Jessica's job didn't work out. Uh, it turned out that the, everything, the, she's a nurse practitioner, everything the doctor promised that they would do just didn't do, and so we found ourselves with no money. I had a house here that wouldn't sell, so we had to make a decision, and we were, we were moving forward with church planting. We were gonna plant a cross-point campus in St. Augustine, Florida. Pastor David and Matt Sabara came down and met with us, and we rode around. We, I mean, we were, we were moving forward with a cross-point campus in St. Augustine, Florida. And then Jessica and I had to look at ourselves one day and say, you know, we have to go back. So we packed up our stuff and moved back. And it was the most emotionally devastating thing that I've ever personally experienced. As a dad and a husband, I couldn't provide for my family. I wasn't making any money. As a person that's called into ministry, I abandoned it. I walked away from a calling. God called us there. And I went through depression, anxiety. I gained 100 pounds through that time. I was on Ambien to go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep at night without Ambien. And even after taking Ambien, I would lay awake for an hour before I'd finally go to sleep. 
was on the highest dose of the antidepressant that the doctors could give me and hated to be alone with myself. Couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't do anything. The only thing I could do was just get fatter. I was telling the first service that I'd wake up every morning. It was like a, it was like a journey. You just wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and see how much fatter you are today than you were yesterday. I was just out of control with anxiety and out of control with depression. And out of con- I, I, it was so tough. And you guys that know us, you didn't know I was teaching in the church. I'm supposed to know this stuff, right? So Jessica and I decided we would do something. We, we read our Bible, but we, you know, so we read it together all the time, and we prayed, but we didn't really pray together that much. So we made a decision that we're just going to get our lives right with God. We're both Christians, both love Jesus, and we started praying every day. And since 2014, my wife and I pray every morning. There's not a morning we miss. We pray together. And I saw spiritual growth in us and saw our lives change. Well, in 2017, we really, the call was there, and we just couldn't ignore it. And so I said, well, babe, let's, I've kind of put the business to bed. I'll find a job. You find a job, and let's, let's move back to St. Augustine County, let's, or St. John's County. Let's do this. And so in June, we packed the same trash we packed before, moved to St. Augustine, put our house up for sale. That was in June. In December, my company eliminated my position, and I'm unemployed today. Same story. The same thing happened that happened before. But there's a huge difference. Guys, I have more peace. And I'm not just saying this because I'm supposed to say it, like he's up there preaching and he's got to be the one that has it together. I'm telling you. I worry that I don't care enough about it because the peace that I have in my heart about what God is doing through me and to our family, hallelujah, The peace that I have only, only comes because my wife, who is so much smarter and so much more spiritual than me, said, Richard, we need to start praying together. And we started praying together every day, and we yoked ourselves to Jesus. And when we yoked ourselves to Jesus, what I see now is I'm 48 years old. I don't have a job. I'm a dad. I've got one kid in college, and two will be in college next year. I should be worried, but I don't care. Because Jesus has given me his peace. And my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't have to worry. I'm not worried because you know what? The devil's not going to stop the work. He's not going to do it. I'll live in my truck before I, before I turn my back on what God's done because I have, finally have peace. So this isn't about me. This is about Jesus. So if you're sitting here today and your relationships are defined by turmoil, Your job situation is defined by turmoil. You've got this inner turmoil that you can't do anything about. And look, I'm not saying that if you'll just do what I'm telling you that you'll come off of all antidepressants because depression is a clinical disease. I'm just telling you that mine was spiritual. But if you, if your life is defined by a lack of peace, what Jesus is saying is that if you will take that yoke You are yoked to your failure. You are yoked to your anxiety. You are yoked to the things that are dragging you down. I am saying if you will bring it to me, Jesus is saying if you will bring that yoke to me and take it off, I will put my yoke on you. You will yoke yourself to me and things might even get worse before they get better. But if you will yoke yourself to me, my 
burden is easy and it is light because I am meek and I am humble and the pain may not go away instantly, but you will have peace like a river. And this isn't theory and this isn't philosophy. This is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. This is the essence of the gospel. Give it to him and yoke yourself to him. So here's what we're going to do now, if the band would go ahead and come up. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to pray for those of you that need to trust Christ for salvation. I'm going to pray for those of you that, have, that need purpose in your life. I'm not talking some self-help, live your best life now. I'm talking about yoking yourself to Jesus and letting him give you a purpose. I'm going to pray for you. And for those of you, especially those of you that whose insides are just turning because of the lack of peace, I'm going to pray that God will give you peace. And I'm going to stand right here, right up front. I'm going to stand right here. And anybody that wants to pray with me, I'll pray with you the rest of the day. Into the night, all into tomorrow not like I have a job to go to. I'll pray right here with you, right? This is my job. Are you guys ready to pray? All right. For those of you that are not coming forward, this message doesn't speak to you. There's a lot of people in here that need to be yoked to Jesus. And if this message doesn't touch you, then instead of just standing there waiting on them to say amen, let's go eat, pray for those around you. 